0: You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. We're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Mark Falconer joining us in the studio. Welcome back to the studio, Mark. Good morning, Jason. It's good to have you here again. It's great to be here. terrific. Awesome. Now, this is our first day back live after having a bit of a break for a little while, and uh, we have missed you. I must say I've missed our interactions with our listeners, and uh, it's good to be back on air live today. And uh, good to have you returning uh, in the studio, Mark. Um, This is going to be a more regular uh, event for you. So uh, I'm just... um, Uh, wondering what you're looking forward to about uh, doing a more regular radio presentation. Well, what I'm looking forward to is unpacking the word. Mm. The Bible often
1: seems like a a document that has no relevance today. People say, the Bible? Can you spell that? Mm. B-I-B-L-E. So for people that don't see the relevance of the Bible in their daily lives, and so I'm looking forward to unpacking that and making it relevant to our daily living.
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm uh, looking forward to it as well. Now, Monday programs uh, David Leo used to do on a regular basis. He's uh, taking a break from the on-air programs for a little while. So we're going to have Mark and also Arfi, who we'll introduce in due course. He'll be also uh, presenting some Monday programs as well. Now, Mark, uh, today's program is called Is Jesus Really Serious About Saving Humanity? Now, you're going to be doing a whole uh, bunch of programs, uh, a series of programs sort of titled Is Jesus Really Serious About? Uh, Today's is is He Really Serious About Saving Humanity. Do you want to just uh, give us a very brief overview of what we're going to be talking about today?
1: Well, what we're looking at today is obviously the question is, is God actually really serious about saving humanity? Is he serious about saving me? We often feel that God is at a, at a distance. Is he interacting with my life? Am I really that important to God that he would really save me? Now, to illustrate that, we're going to be looking at a, a special treaty that God, so-called, signed Back in Genesis 15. It's an unusual way of ratifying treaties, and when we unpack that, we will see that mm, indeed God is really serious about saving humanity. And that makes it important for us today, Mm. because if we understand that God is serious about saving humanity, then that can give us comfort
0: and assurance. Awesome. Well, I'm uh, looking forward to digging into this. Um, just a reminder for our listeners, 488 That's 488 That's our Tassie Encounters show number. We'd love you to text in, interact with us today, and uh, you can also use that number to claim our free book offer. We'll have a, a question a bit later probably uh, to ask you, and we'd love to hear from you this morning so uh mark uh, let let's let's get into our program, and uh I know you're going to share a bit of a a, a historical story yeah, and look to induce introduce our historical story. It's
1: going to be looking at treaties and contracts, and most of us are familiar with contracts when you go to work, the em- new employer will give you a contract, and some employment contracts are twenty two pages long. And you sort of think, wow, do we really need 22-page contracts in order to take up employment?
0: Well, we do today, unfortunately. Why is that, I wonder? That's a good question. I guess uh, we, we uh, live in a, a world of litigation.
1: Litigation. The lawyers love it, don't yeah, they? they? They absolutely do. love it. Line their pockets, don't they? Mm. Um, but it's also because we don't trust, do we? That's true, yeah. And once we got to refer to the contract, the relationship's often broken down. But contracts are often meaningless, and as you said, Jason, they all end up into the court and mm-hmm. uh, and racking up the big bills. Treaties are exactly the same. Do you know how many treaties are signed and broken between countries? People sign the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, but they all go on make. Nuclear weapons. Now, there was a treaty that was signed back in the 1930s, and you will recall 1930s and the late 1930s. It was a tumultuous time, Mm, just before the war. Yeah,
0: and And uh, after the Second World War, first First World War, the First World. Sorry, after the First World War, before the Second World War.
1: Yeah, and 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 the First World War was still in the minds of the people. Mm. So. Could you imagine in the late 1930s as the rumblings of World War II were, uh, and, and the clouds of war were gathering that people were desperate to avoid war? Mm. So you could imagine that the, the politics of the time was that we need to do everything we can to avoid war. Mm. Now, as you know, Hitler... He wasn't content with just Germany, was he?
0: He was not. We know historically he was not. <laughs> no, he he
1: wanted to expand the territory of Germany, and he talked about the thousand-year Reich and and all that. But he was immediately had the eyes on a part of Czechoslovakia that was called the Sudetenland, and the Sudetenland was made of of many Germans that were there and. And what Hitler would do is that he would foment discontent there and people were rioting, we want to join with Germany. And so he was wanting to slice off a little bit of Czechoslovakia. Well, what they did was that they got Mussolini, the um, Prime Minister of Italy, Deladera, the Prime Minister of France, and, of course, the person we often uh, know most of all is Neville Chamberlain. Mm. Um, do you remember what he was known for?
0: I, I'm not familiar with uh, Chamberlain. I know um, as part of this, he was key as part of this uh, treaty. But um, tell me more about him. Yeah. Well,
1: look, he, he was known as the one of appeasement, right? And that's what he was most famous for. So you had these three leaders there that gathered together in uh, in, in Germany. And they met with Hitler in order to avoid World War II. Now, you can't blame them for that. And so what they were coming up with, the Munich Pact, as it was called, but unfortunately became dubbed as the Munich Betrayal.
2: Yeah.
1: But as the three leaders gathered there together with uh, Hitler, they signed a treaty to say, we will give you the Sudetenland land. Well, what does Czechoslovakia think about that? Mm-hmm. Oh, doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, you can take a piece of my territory. And the poor old ambassador there was stuck on the floor below, and while people upstairs were slicing up his country, Poland even wanted a slice of Czechoslovakia. Hungary mm. wanted a slice of Czechoslovakia. So, poor old Czechoslovakia, they were at the wrong end of the stick.
2: Mm.
1: So they signed the treaty and uh, everyone shook hands and photo ops and all walked out. And Deladera of France, when he got back to Paris, there, all the people at the airport cheered. Why?
0: I guess they were happy that uh, they had avoided World War Two. Exactly. Mm. You know what Deladera
1: said? If they only knew hmm. Neville Chamberlain That famous picture As he walked off the plane He was holding the treaty Way up in the air Shaking it to the people And the people cheered Why? Because we've avoided World War Two. Hmm. Winston Churchill Was opposed To this treaty Winston Churchill Had a great deal of foresight But Neville Chamberlain Historians didn't uh, write them up well for the next number of decades uh, because of this treaty. You know, when they signed that treaty, that agreement was, you can have the Sudenten land, you can have the Germans that were living there, we'll avoid World War II. Mm. On the face of it, you can understand it. But what happened?
0: Well, I'm guessing uh, Hitler did not honour the treaty.
1: He had no intentions of honouring it. Twelve months later, there was a picture of him in in Prague there, along with all the soldiers, invaded Czechoslovakia. Not too long later, invaded Poland, and then it was all on.
2: Mm.
1: Treaties mean nothing. Mm. Isn't that sad, isn't it? Mm. You know, that we can't even make an agreement between each other and honour that agreement. Mm.
0: That's... That's terrible, isn't it? Hmm. I guess, uh, unfortunately, that's um, a bit of human nature, isn't it? We, <laughs> perhaps sometimes we uh, we set out to honour something, but then uh, we inevitably fail. Unfortunately, that's true. In this case, that wasn't the case. So I'm sure uh, he, he never had intentions of honouring that. He yeah, had none whatsoever whatsoever. Uh-huh. Um. We're going to need to go to a break in a minute. Uh, we've got a question for you to think about. Um, we haven't got into the main uh, scriptural component of our of our uh, program today, but the program ultimately uh, talks about sacrifice and uh, we're going to ask you to think about what's the greatest sacrifice you have made in your life. so we'd love to hear from you text us in your answer on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one that's zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one what's the greatest sacrifice you have made in your life this first song is our great Savior uh, by Aaron Robinson. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. My strength, my victory.
0: to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and this morning we're talking with Mark Falconer on the topic of is Jesus really serious about saving humanity now Mark uh, we started off with a bit of a story about the Munich Treaty and uh, as yet we haven't uh, got into the main I guess meat of this program so we need to do that Um, tell us where we're going well as men signs treaties,
1: breaks treaties. What we need to know is God's serious about saving humanity. And so God has set up a treaty Mm. with us. And we need to know, is God really serious about this? And he did this with Abraham. And so we go to Genesis 15, and there's a wee bit of a dialogue there with Abraham and having a bit of a chat back and forth. Abraham was sort of feeling a little bit insecure with the promise that was given to him, and then God embarks on signing that treaty. And so we'll look at that sign of that treaty shortly, but let's just set the scene with with Abraham. So let's have a look. Let's open up our Bibles. And if you're at home there and you have your Bibles there, let's open it up and let us follow the text there. And we'll set the context and we'll start with um, verse 1. Jason, would you like to read
0: that for us, please? So we're reading from Genesis chapter 15, and uh, this is the English Standard Version that we're reading from. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness.
1: Okay, now what was Abraham's complaint? He had, he had no son, he had no heir. Well, he thought that the son that he had was his heir, and he he was sort of floundering because God had promised him back in Genesis chapter 12 that he would have an heir
0: and the number of descendants. Mm. So Eliezer, was he a servant or an employee? No? Not sure. Not sure, really. Um, perhaps not, a distant relative or something? <laughs> Who knows? Perhaps he was. <laughs> I. Um,
1: but, but you notice here in verse 2, but Abraham said, O Lord, what will you give me? Mm. For I continued childless, and the heir of my house is." Eliezer, you know, clearly that was one of his relatives and he thought that was his heir. But, you know, he was struggling with God's promises being unfulfilled. Mm. And so what does God say to him? He
0: says, You will have a son.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, there you go. Should and, <laughs> and, and, and Abraham was known. For his belief. And you notice verse 6 here. What does verse 6 say? And he
0: believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness.
1: Isn't mm. that marvelous? Mm. Now, you recall that verse is quoted by Paul in Romans. Mm. In Romans chapter 4, verse, verse 18 from, from, from memory. But now, now, I want you to hold that thought there. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as?
0: Righteousness. All right, great news. But let's look at verse 7. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these cut them in half, laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now, this doesn't say that God specifically asked him to do this, but but what what's in this thing that he's doing here? There must be some... Tradition or some understanding of what this means?
1: Yeah, look, there there is, and we're going to
0: unpack that
1: just in a tick here. Okay, and we'll go to that. But you remember in verse six that he believed the Lord and he counted him as righteousness. But you notice in verse seven, I'm the Lord who brought you out of from Ur of the Chaldeans. Then in verse eight, but he says, Lord. How am I to know that I shall possess it? Mm. Now, hold on! I thought he believed.
0: Mm. <laughs> how do we how do we reconcile that? He wanted some uh, concrete evidence or something. Well, if, if you believe, you believe, don't you? <laughs>
1: and you don't ask how do you know? Mm. But but what, what's the good news on that
0: one? Well, I guess God. God. Um, uh, I guess God. Reassured him by giving him something more more concrete. Well, well, he, he and he was wanting
1: to reassure him. He was working with Abraham. Abraham was in a in a spot here because he he had all these promises. It's one thing to believe, but yeah, he was struggling with that. God, are you going to fulfill that? And so he asks that question: How do I know? So he has a few doubts here. Mm. He has a few doubts now. What what that means is you you might have a few doubts in your Christian experience. Sometimes we have doubts: is God really serious about saving humanity? Is God really serious about
0: saving Mark? me? Yeah, that's mm. it. I think that's that's so uh, true. And I've experienced that in my life as well at times where y- you can imagine that God uh, is prepared to save many people, but not so sure about me personally. Mm. And, and that's the hard thing. And we, we, we sit back
1: on our armchair. We might be having a, a little bit of a, a drink and having a few snacks, and we pontificate and bloviate and think, oh, yes, God saves humanity. He loves everyone mm. but not me. Mm. And we secretly say that. And so we too need that assurance, and God understands Sometimes when we have those doubts. And the good news here, God understood that Abraham had a few doubts here mm. and was willing to work through him. And so now he comes down here and he comes to these really strange
0: verses here of what what, what he had to cut. He, in half? he had to bring a heifer, a female goat, a ram, and uh, he also brought turtle dove and young pigeon. But he cut in half the... The bigger animals.
1: Now, that sounds really gross, doesn't it? It does. It does. And for all the animal rights activists out there, this is a shocking stuff. And it is. Mm. Um, when mm. we sign contracts, we go to the lawyer and we sign every page and we initial every page. And that's how we ratify contracts.
0: Mm. So this was
1: an old way of uh, understanding some sort of contract. A- in the ancient Near East, this was the way that they ratified contracts. Now, they used to do that between countries, and they would get these animals, cut them literally in half, and then they would have pigeons. Now, what we need to do is not get locked into thinking, oh, this is so gross, and, you know, they, they, they're they brutal, Um they are behind the times. We need to look at the context mm. of the times. This is how it was done. And so, this is what Abraham understood how treaties were done. Mm. And so, God is speaking to Abraham through means in which he
0: would understand. And it was uh, something that was to be taken very seriously. Absolutely. Mm. You don't cut these animals in half for nothing. Mm. But we're going to unpack that shortly. Mm. We'll, we'll come back after our break. Now, earlier we asked you a question What's the greatest sacrifice you have made in your life? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in your answer on 0488 880891. And if you haven't written that number down, do write it down because we've got a free book offer coming up. That free book, uh, book offer is called Man of Peace. We'll be giving you a bit more information about that shortly but right now this is our next song this is Chris Rice with Hallelujah What a Saviour Program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and you're back with us on our um, program titled Encounters with Jesus. And this morning we're speaking with Mark Faulkner on the topic of Is Jesus really serious about saving humanity? Now, Mark, before the break, we were looking at this passage where Abram was asked to bring. A number of animals, a heifer, a goat, a ram, and some birds, and uh, then he cut in half the larger animals, and we're going to unpack what all that means.
2: All
1: right,
0: so now you remember that we are
1: looking at the signing of treaties Mm. back then. So they got those animals, they cut them in half, and they made a like a little alleyway and um, cut them in half, and they would have to walk through those pieces, and they called those animals that were cut in half, and they called them pieces. Now, I I know this sounds really cruel and a bizarre way of doing treaties, but that's how they did it in the ancient Near East. Now, if we were to look at Jeremiah chapter 34, Jason, would you like to read Jeremiah chapter 34, verse
0: 18? It says, And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and passed between its parts. The officials of Judah, the officials of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf.
1: So you get a wee bit of a picture there Mm. of how the treaty was ratified. And you notice there that the men who transgress
0: my covenant... They will be made like the calf. Like... mm, Mm, Cut in half. (laughs) Yeah,
1: a little bit different to just signing a piece of paper, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Now, look, there was a fascinating treaty that was signed back in the... um, uh, between Assyria and a king called Marti-Elu... Now, the king at the time, the Assyrian Syrian Empire was the empire. And uh, he, King the V, and that was uh, the king before Tiglath-Pileser third. So King Afad had signed a treaty with marti Ilu and there was a clay tablet that was found that was signed exactly the same way as this, between Aphad and Mati'ilu, mm. and Abraham and God. And so you you had that the, the same kind of dynamics. Just let me read to you what some of those elements of that treaty uh, was found on the clay tablet. So the the treaty sort of said this, this head is not the head of a spring lamb. It is the head of Mati'ilu. Mm. Ooh, you know. There's a lot at stake here, wasn't there? Mm. It is the head of his sons, his nobles, and the people of the land. And if Mati'ilu should sin against this treaty, just as the head of this ram is cut off, so may the head of Mati'ilu be struck off. And the one passing through the pieces by so doing indicates that he will undergo similar dismemberment if he is unfaithful to the covenant. So these were what they called Suzerain Vassal Treaties. So the Suzerain was the, the big country or the, the one who initiated the covenant with the smaller one. So the Assyrian Empire signed this covenant. So there was a lot at stake here, isn't there? Mm. Mm. So how does this help us with Genesis chapter 15? Now, what we need to do is to read the last part of that chapter and we'll find out how this treaty interacts with Abraham.
0: Okay, so we're back in Genesis chapter 15 and reading from verse 12. It says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years but i will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions as for you you shall go to your fathers in peace you shall be buried in a good in a good old age and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the amorites is not yet complete and then it finishes off in verse 17 When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites and the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites... The Gigoshites and the Jebusites. I hope I got all those ites right.
1: Well, <laughs> there's a lot of them, isn't there? Yeah. Fortunately, we don't need to worry about that today. <laughs> but let's have a look at verse seventeen here. This is this is the passage here and and I know this is getting a little technical and we don't want to get lost in the detail mm. here. Just remembering is God serious about saving humanity? Mm. He's Setting up a treaty with Abraham. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So look at let's look at
0: verse seventeen. So when the sun had gone down, and uh, behold, it was darker, and behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces.
1: What on earth does all that mean? Mm. Good question. But meaningless, isn't it? But we have a clue here. What does the flaming torch and a smoking fire pot mean, I wonder? Mm. Good question. There must be a reference somewhere else that could help us
0: understand that. There is, fortunately. Let's have a look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 18. Okay. It says, and Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. Now, who, who, who's
1: present there? God. God himself.
2: Mm.
1: There's a, what, a smoke of a kiln mm. or smoking pot. Mm. So we, we we can see the reference there. Mm. And so God is likened to a smoking fire pot. Mm. Let's go to the next chapter of chapter 20 and verse 18.
0: It says in 20 verse 18, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. You can't blame them standing far off. Mm. That would be frightening, wouldn't it? Mm. But how is God described here? Uh, Thunder and flashes of lightning, and somewhere the mountain was smoking.
1: All right, that's pretty frightening stuff, isn't Mm. it? Mm. Now, but you notice here... That not only God is not only described as a sound of a trumpet and a mountain smoking, but there's also flashes of lightning. Right. Hmm. Now that is the very similar Hebrew word that is used here in Genesis chapter fifteen. It's so, a flaming torch. Yeah. So let's flip back now. Let's go back to Genesis chapter fifteen. Let's read verse seventeen
0: again and let's put the
1: some of the pieces together. So when the sun
0: had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a Who's flaming that? torch. Well that represented God. All right. And a flaming torch passed between these pieces pieces.
1: Okay. okay, so you got the smoking firepot and the flaming torch. Flaming torch twenty verse eighteen. You got flashes of lightning, very similar word. Describing God. So, who's going through the pieces? God. Perhaps Jesus himself. God. Mm. Well, you've got God, you've got the Father and the Son. That's why those mm. two references there are made, mm. that both are going through the pieces. But uh, hang about, how were the treaties ratified with the Suzerain Vassal Treaty? Who went through the pieces
0: when treaties were, were ratified? The people who broke the treaty, normally. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, 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 yes.
1: Well, the, the, the one who was that, the, the, uh, one. the the weaker one, the weaker yeah. one. It was the weaker one who had to walk through the pieces. Mm. So in this case, who was supposed to walk through the pieces? Here yeah. was
0: it Abraham. You would expect it to be Abram. Yeah.
1: That's what Abraham would have expected when doing these pieces, and so it was him who expected to walk through. But here it is God who walks through the pieces. You know, that's never been heard of before. Mm. Fascinating. So, isn't God
0: it? was turning this treaty upside down almost.
1: Turn, exactly. Mm. Now, we're going to see the implications of that in our next section.
0: Well, it's time for our break. But before we do, we've got our free book offer Man of Peace. Once a man came into this world whose life and message started a movement that continues to grow rapidly more than 2,000 years later. Called the man of peace, Jesus of Nazareth took on the proud and powerful religious elite of his day. He chose common fishermen as his closest associates. He was a skilled carpenter, but never owned his own home. He healed the sick and raised the dead and offered peace to everyone. Real, lasting, personal peace. He still offers that peace today, and he offers it to you. So this is the book that we're going to be giving away right after this break. Uh, But right now, we're going to our next song, which is Savannah Ellis with It Is Done.
4: Crucified by hands and hearts and voices he had made Sacrificed by those he came to rescue, came to save Forgiveness trampled Over sin now and Forever it is Finished God of light Ran into the
0: Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and today we're finishing up our program titled "Is Jesus Really Serious About Saving Humanity?" And uh, this is on our series Encounters with Jesus. So. Mark, uh, just before we finish up our uh, our content for the day, we need to give away a free book. And this book is called Man of Peace. We did talk about it a little bit earlier and I did promise the code. So the code for today is Encounter14. If you can text in that word, Encounter14, no spaces, Text it into 0488 891 We've got five copies of this book to give away. So the first five in will receive a copy of this book. Encounter 14, number 14 on the end. No spaces. Text it into 0488 891 And we'd love to get you a copy of this book. Now, Mark, we've got just a couple of things to finish off here in well, we haven't quite really fully unpacked Genesis 15, but... Uh,
2: no, we haven't.
0: I, I I know this sounds fairly technical, but if we just run with
1: it and bear with it, we can see the beauty on how God works through humanity. Now, you remember that God is wanting to save humanity. The Messiah was to come through the line of Abraham, and Abraham was to be a blessing to the nations, and God is wanting to save humanity. So how is he going to communicate this message? Mm. So he sets up this treaty. You remember that's the suzerain vassal treaty, empire versus a smaller nation. The empire's a suzerain, smaller nation is the vassal, and it was a vassal
0: nation that would walk through the pieces. Mm. But we just learned that this was representing God walking through those pieces. Now, this was unheard of. Mm.
1: Nobody had ever heard of God. Um, the, the, the more the sisters, powerful, yeah. The, yeah, walking through the pieces. Mm. Fascinating. And that's striking. What does that say about God? That says uh, God doesn't work in the way that we expect him to. No, he doesn't. <laughs> and and you remember the text of the the treaty says that if I break this treaty, this my head is representative of that mm. lamb. That's That'll be true. cut off. And mm. so... God is so serious about this. He was willing to allow the very existence of God to be at stake if he broke this treaty. That's how serious he is about this treaty. Mm. And this treaty is about saving humanity. Mm. So we come to a key word
0: here. Let's go back to verse 10. Yeah, and it says... uh And he brought him all these and cut them in half and laid them uh, each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. So There's a lot of cutting here.
1: There is a lot of cutting. Now, this this word cut is actually a very important word in Hebrew. That is a technical word that is assigned to cutting covenants. Mm. Hence the cut, 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 cut. Which we all find really quite gross and grotesque about with all these animals. But putting all that aside, this is about cutting of the covenant. And this word cut is used throughout the Old Testament, particularly in relation to the Messiah. Have a look mm. at the Messianic chapter in, in Isaiah, Isaiah 53.
0: Yeah says by oppression and judgment he was taken away and for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. The cutting of the covenant. He would be cut off. Mm. Daniel chapter 9 verse 24. Uh, yeah, so Daniel, um, let's just get that up, talks about... Uh, being cut off as well. It's in verse twenty six and twenty seven, I think was it? Mark?
1: Yeah. Well and, and, and that verse there does talk about the Messiah being cut off. Mm. You'd like to read verse twenty six for us. Yeah it
0: says and after the sixty two weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing
1: now that is the same word that is used in Genesis fifteen mm. that the Messiah will be cut cut off cut off from the living. Now, this is God himself that we're talking about here, that he is willing to be cut off for what? For the broken treaty. For the broken treaty, and that treaty is to save humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about the Messiah when he went to the cross, there's another aspect about this treaty that is fascinating. This treaty, you didn't just die if you broke it. What was understood back then was that you would suffer the second death. Even with um the the treaty between mati Elu and King Arpad, you would suffer the second death. So this is how serious it was. Now, of course, the Messiah, Jesus suffering the second death. Hmm you know, can God die? Well, let's not get too involved with all that sort of those sorts of questions, but mm. But here the thing is that when Jesus was going to the cross he knew that he was going to die mm. but do you remember what he said on the cross?
0: He said a couple of things. Um, he said, why why have you forsaken me? Is that the one? Yes. Mm.
1: You know he cries out to his father, why God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that Point Jesus could not see through the portals of the tomb hmm. and 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 this is a strange passage for us, even though during the life of jesus he he foretold his death and resurrection, that the temple would be raised up again, but yet at that moment, Jesus thought that he would not be raised up.
2: Hmm.
1: Why did he do that? Why did he go to the cross? He went to the cross to save us. Mm. Fascinating, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely fascinating. Now, he couldn't see through the portals of the tomb, but he went to the cross so that he could save humanity. Is God serious about saving humanity? Absolutely. And this treaty that he signed with, with Abraham, he was so serious about it that he was willing to allow the very existence of God to go on the line if should this treaty be broken. So we have that assurance. Isn't that good news? Mm, that's amazing. And the resurrection assures us that we have salvation that is offered to us. But what is our response to
0: that? We have to uh, make a choice and... Uh, it's up to us to uh, accept that or not. Well, it is. And,
1: and, and if God had given us everything, which he had, mm. he's given us everything. There's nothing that he could, he was willing to be cut off mm. that we might live. Mm. And so God wants us to give everything. Let us walk with God each and every day. Mm. Let us walk with him, dedicating our thoughts and our hearts with him each And every day.
0: Thank you, Mark. That's uh, a a technical but uh, a very fascinating study that we've done here on Genesis 15. I think it gives us a striking insight into the character of God, doesn't it? It does. And uh, and what He was prepared to do for us. Mm, Amazing. Now, uh, next time you're on with us, you'll be talking about is Jesus really serious about growing the church? So. uh, We will look forward to that. And tomorrow we'll have Peter Watts back in the studio and uh, um, we're going to be starting a new series called Daniel and the God of Wisdom. And, uh, of course, um, he's going to be doing some series called Is God For Real, which we'll talk about tomorrow as well. Do remember that we've got a... um uh, free book offer today. Encounter fourteen is the code. Text it in to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Have a good day.
5: Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount, I pour there. built. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. My grace freely bestowed on all who believe you are longing to see his face will you this moment his grace receive